Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Miami Sports Pod. Clay Ferrero here, Dookie lying along the way. Will Manso in beautiful Pittsburgh for the week. All right, he's just here for a couple of days, but uh, since he's not here with us, and whenever you may listen this week, we recorded with Will in Pittsburgh. He's there for the Monday night football game, and by the time you listen to this, we probably already know the result of what the a Dolphins finish, and the huh? Steelers. What a finish. What a, what a special we had. What an opening night special. That was just outstanding. TV at its finest. Thank you. Right, we're recording this Sunday night, so we have no clue what happened. Um, So we're going to kind of do a little bit of a hodgepodge. I think we're going to talk mostly about the Miami Heat and what we've seen the first three games of the season because, you know, again, at this point it is three games in. We're getting ready for Jimmy Butler to make his debut. Um, but, Dookie, I, I want to start with kind of how we finished talking about the Heat last last week. And what's impressed me the most about this team isn't necessarily the the surprise play from the young guys, isn't necessarily that Justice Winslow hasn't just embraced this point-forward role, but he's thriving in it. It's more an overall thing. It's the attitude of this team. It is the old heat culture, but kind of an added twist to it that we're going back to not only being the best-conditioned team, but we're kind of embracing the role of being the tough guys and being hated. Yeah, I would agree. I think what's interesting is the first couple of games of an NBA season, teams are sort of feeling their way around. So it's not so much the first week, the first 10 days. It's not so much a skill competition in the sense that teams are going to get better. They're going to get more comfortable with their offense. You mentioned the Heat rookies. There's going to be greater scouting reports on the rookies. But what you see in the first week or so is energy, effort, how hard did you work during training camp? Because that sort of translates over into the types of performances that you see. And I'm sorry, I don't care which of your 82 games it is. When you go into Milwaukee, who's one of the presumptive best teams in the East, and you go down 21 points, and Giannis is playing, and you force overtime and win at Milwaukee, that's a good win. Don't care if it's the second game or it's the 82nd game. That's an impressive, impressive win. And I think it's been really fun, and it's been really interesting, especially the fact that they're doing it without Jimmy Butler, because... They're playing like a bunch of Jimmy Butlers. Yeah. And so it'll be very interesting to see, starting on Tuesday night, um, when they host Atlanta, how they sort of blend Jimmy Butler in with this young bunch. And I think the answer is going to be he's going to fit in great. I want to hit on something that you said right off the top. And you and I were actually talking about this before the podcast started. I thought you made a really good point about how the first month can often be about effort, how hard did you work in training camp, how ready were you for the season, how focused were you. And it got me to thinking, okay, it felt in my mind's eyes, so to speak, like that hasn't been there for a while with this team, that that, that attitude and that that mantra, that that mindset hasn't been there, that they didn't have that identity. Yeah, they could say heat culture, but it wasn't there. So I just went back one year just because I just thought about it. Last year, through November 27th, they were 7-13. and Yep. And they had two losses to the Atlanta Hawks, who were nowhere near as good as they are right now. That was a team that was just kind of finding its way. They had a bad loss to the Charlotte Hornets. So, 
it felt, Dookie, like last year, it, it kind of the numbers kind of back up kind of what I had felt that exactly what you had said. It, let's just take that as kind of being our premise here. If your first month often tells you how prepared were you, um, and, and even a team that had a lot of new faces like this Heat team does, at least at least new guys who are expected to contribute a lot with Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn and, and Jimmy Butler whenever he comes back. Um that chemistry you did not necessarily expect to be there off the top. So you got to get by by buying in and and playing hard. And it feels like that that playing hard thing that maybe wasn't necessarily there consistently over the last few years, it's it's come back. And and it doesn't it's so hard to make any sort of grand sort of statements about the season through the first three games. But Dookie, I feel like that's not gonna go away. Like Kendrick Nunn, as we record this podcast, Kendrick Nunn is leading the Heat in scoring. Do I think by the end of the year he's going to be leading the Heat in scoring? No, no. Now, I do think I've seen a lot of good things out of him. But I don't know that high of a scoring average is necessarily sustainable. What I do think is sustainable is attitude and buy-in. And it feels like what we've seen these first three games, it's kind of reinforced the attitude that I really liked, the vibe that I got in training camp. Well, I think I'm going to start with two guys who we knew about coming into the season, okay? Justice Winslow and Bam Adebayo. Bam in the Milwaukee game makes a game-saving play, and it's a chase-down block. Effort. Energy. Justice opening night, 27-7-7. Attitude. I think for a while, Justice and Bam were sort of the students, right? So they were studying under D-Wade and under Udonis. What is this heat culture I hear about? You know, sort of getting their legs in the NBA. I think particularly with Justice, because he got hurt for so long, there was a bit of a a bump in his growing curve. But I think the Heat consciously made a choice last year between Justice and Josh Richardson that Josh was going to be the closer. And I think they chose poorly. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think we saw time and again Josh Richardson in big situations stepping out of bounds, deferring for the pass, it just just making the incorrect play. I think Justice loves that role. And I think Justice amongst the young players, and, and I'll give you an example of how Justice sort of flipped for me. And it's so subtle, right? Justice was talking about the younger players. He was talking about none. He was talking about Hero. And he said, uh, you know, the Rooks. Oh, yeah. And I was like, wait, (laughs) did Justice Winslow just say the Rooks? Because I'm old enough to remember when Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson were Rook 1 and Rook Rook 2. Now Justice is referring to the Rooks? Okay. Like, he sees himself in in a more advanced sort of state. And I think that sort of – and Silva, by the way, was – he escaped my mind because, you know, they they got guys coming out of nowhere. Well, Silva and Justice are the two guys I want to talk about in a second. And and I actually tweeted this on opening night that, oh, without Jimmy, Justice is the dude. He is the dude on this team. He is the guy that everybody is going to look to because he's – for whatever reason, it's like – he has become kind of the embodiment of heat culture. We've talked about that with Jimmy Butler, but I'll tell you what I mean by that in just a second. But first, let's get to our sponsor. Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation, and I promise you there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years, for the best deal in South Florida, the best service, it is Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium in Pembroke Pines. So 
Something I saw from Justice Winslow on opening night, it, it wasn't the 27, what do you have, 27, 7, and 7. Yep. Um, the numbers were great. I love point justice. I, I love this. the pass that he made to Kelly Olenek at Milwaukee where he's driving inside and he flips. I, I don't know how many guys in the league can make that pass. Um, so that's the tangible stuff. What I love, Dookie, was him talking trash to the Memphis guys on opening night. And somebody tweeted this. I didn't see it with my own eyes, but um, apparently he fell down once and somebody came over and tried to help him up off the Memphis squad and Justice kind of waved him off. And it's that us-against-the-world mentality. And, you know, I think so many times that kind of thing can be contrived and and fake. Um but it feels like with this team, and again, I go all the way back to when they signed Jimmy Butler, and then when Jimmy Butler kind of went through camp with this team, and you heard him talking after camp, and he said, man, we got a lot of dogs. Now, I think Justice Winslow has proven that not only is he the dude, but he is the dog. Like, he is the guy on this team, right? And we saw it in the playoff series a couple of years ago against Philadelphia, that he was the guy who would not be pushed around by Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and you know he would get in those guys' faces. And so... You know, I, I think there's been this, and, and I spoke to Justice before the season started, and you sense this this maturation, not that he was immature, but the maturation and being comfortable in one's own skin. And and I think, you know, we can all point to certain points in our lives where we kind of felt like we became more comfortable in our own skin. Um, and and I, I feel like for some of us, like for me, it was senior year of college. With Justice, I feel like it was from last season into this season and then this offseason when he knew that he was going to be the point forward on this team and he was going to be the guy that was going to be distributing because I think there's a there's a leadership role that goes along with that. And so as much as I think Jimmy Butler has been empowered by the Heat organization to be himself and to not have to worry about cursing at press conferences and um, you know yelling at teammates and things that got him in trouble in the past – I think Justice Winslow has been equally empowered by this Heat franchise, and I think part of it is him kind of realizing, okay, I can be me, and when I'm me, I can be great, and and that's been the the most fun thing that I've I've seen so far this year. Yeah, I look forward to the day when I feel comfortable in my own skin. <laughs> I will, uh, you know, still trying. We're late thirties, but uh, yeah, I I I think there's definitely something to that, and I think just to stir the pot a little bit. Um, Maybe a little addition by subtraction with uh, no Deion Waiters first couple of games. Yeah, you don't have to find him shots, but I think one of the one of the little pieces that's making this whole thing go, especially considering what Justice is, is how well Goran Dragic and the type of professional that Goran Dragic has been about becoming the Dwayne Wade role. Yep. about the twenty twenty five minutes off the bench, don't start but finish, be a leader, be a veteran. You get to play in the key minutes, but you don't get to say you started. And uh, you could even see, like, before opening night, Eric Spolstra had his news conference, and he was like, it's the most overrated thing in basketball. Who starts? Who cares who starts? And you could see he was selling it pretty hard. Yeah. Which, to me, was like, oh, who's he benching? And it was Goran. And and so well, and you he, go you go back, and he's and he's trying to sort of emphasize this, you know, from it used to be positionless, now it's starterless. Well, no, well, you, you go back to the Jimmy Butler news conference, and they joke, Pat Riley joked that they fined Justice Winslow for saying he was going to be the the yep. point guard on this team, and they they gave the money to Goron, and so that that plays into your point. Yeah, I I just think that Goron has been selfless about it. He's been adjusted well to it. Um, 
I there are other veterans who I don't think, based upon their recent behavior, would take as well to that type of role. Um, you know, Kendrick Nunn. Okay, let's talk about him for a second. I, somebody gave me flack because they said, you know, you guys have been talking up Tyler Hero. Why has nobody been talking about Kendrick Nunn? And I think it's a legitimate question. And I think part of it is that he didn't really make his big, big splash, like, whoa, look at that guy play basketball, until the final preseason game against the Rockets when he put up 40. And even then, you're like, I mean, it's a preseason game. And you know, and then all of a sudden, he's starting. And then all of a sudden, he's getting 25 points. Then all of a sudden, he's doing it again. And, you know, I think people who follow the team, I think people who watch the team, it's still possible to follow and watch a team and occasionally be surprised. And I think that's one of the cool things in sports. I don't think it's a knock on the people who follow the team. More so, I just think it's kind of what a neat story. And, and and you know, if he's doing this in two months, oh my God, that he'd have a find. And if it tails off and he just sort of stepped in when Jimmy Butler and Deion Waiters were out and James Johnson was out and he just sort of played a nice, you know, had a big start to his season, well, that's cool too. But it's just, I mean, I think in general, the first three games have just been surprising and delightful. Yeah. Seriously. And, and for people who may be listening and thinking, well, what, what, diehard Heat fans will say, well, wait a minute, Kendrick Nunn was their best player in Summer League. Well, yeah, he was. But you can go back through the through the years and find guys who really shined in, in Summer League but then once they were actually playing against real Yeah, the NBA Summer League players, Hall of Fame is not exactly. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. It's one so, of those things. And honestly, like when you watch Summer League, what do you watch Summer League for generally? You watch it to watch your first round pick right. that the team makes. And then to see if anyone really jumps off the page. And if they do, you think, huh, maybe they'll go to Sioux Falls. Or maybe they'll be. You don't think, oh, the Heat are going to find a starter right. on a guy right. they signed the last day of the right. season as an excuse me sort of move. Like, you didn't think that was going to happen. That That's not the norm for most teams and most franchises. So you have to, you know, I think... I think you can follow a team and reserve the right to be surprised occasionally. I, I think that's the best way to put it. And, and yeah, it, so, yes, he did have a really nice summer league, and he was a better – he looked better than Tyler Hero did in summer league. But as you and I talked off air about, you you don't know what to take out of summer league because, A, yes, the competition level, but also you got a bunch of guys who are working on stuff. And it isn't necessarily they're going out there and just balling. They're not, not just going one-on-one against everybody and, and showing off all their skills. It's a developmental league. I mean, it is Hey, I'm, I'm only going to work on my step-backs tonight. Right. Well, I'm exactly. going to take four step-backs tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, 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 gonna to practice driving left. I'm going to go left three times and see how I do it. And then I'm going to try going right. Like, it's just... Well, I remember last summer league. Kinks. Yeah, not this past summer league, but the one before. I mean, Bam Adebayo was taking up the ball a lot. And he had a lot of turnovers. Well... Okay, I mean that's that's because he's working on that. Like yeah. you're not going to have him playing the point forward role that that Justice is, but t- have him take the ball up because if he grabs a rebound, and he sees open then space. Go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yes, and it, I equate it to spring training when you see an ace go out there. Clayton Kershaw gives up eight runs in an inning and two thirds, and you find out that he threw nothing. Wait, did but you say balls. did you say spring training or the postseason? Oh well, that was uncalled for. So is. So is, so is Dave uh, Dave Roberts running out Clayton Kershaw? And that's yeah, fair enough. Out fair of the enough. bullpen in the um, postseason, leaving him in when he has a perfectly good closer. But you know, and I'm not even a Dodger fan. That's just an insult to thinking. 
Let's see, it took you about, what, 15 minutes to derail this podcast? I, that... I, I think anyone who's ever seen a baseball game knows what the heck right, are you doing enough. putting Clayton Kershaw out there in the postseason. So, you start talking about Clayton Kershaw, all I can think about is the guy, Hall of Famer, like the, the second coming of... of, of uh, of Sandy Koufax. Yes, of yeah. Sandy Koufax. He's terrible in the postseason. How does that happen? It's why like he's you, wearing why pinstripes. You, why do you get to control the, the audio board over there so I can't shut down your mic? I guess that's why. Um, Ken, Kendrick, <laughs> exactly. Nunn, Kendrick Nunn looked great in summer league, but you're right. It wasn't until he poured in 40 against Houston that you're like, oh. But even then, okay. I was like... It's a preseason right, game. Right, So, but look, nobody, you are lying. And look, I, I get it. The Heat signed him, and, and I think they signed him to a three-year contract at the end of last season, which you're like, oh, why are you signing him to a three-year? The Heat didn't expect him to be this. They may have expected him to be good, but nobody expected him to be this no. team's leading scorer through three games. So, uh, props to him. It's really cool to see. Uh, we'll see, like you said, is it... Is this a guy that's a gem, that's a find, that he's going to be the next guy that you max out from uh, among undrafted rookies? Or is he the next Rodney Magruder who you throw overboard, right, with like three well, games left in the season? To, and then, then you need to get out of the luxury tax. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Poor guy. So, But that part <laughs> is fun. What I really like, and you mentioned Chris Silva, and, and I, want to, I want to get back to him for a second because the other thing that I really like about this roster not just the attitude, but for the first time in a long time, and I would say, Dookie, for the first time since LeBron was here, you have a roster that is matched. It's complementary. Um, whereas before, you had a lot of guys with similar and clashing skill sets. I think you have guys now who mix well together. And and the example I'll use is especially in the front court. You mentioned Silva. Well, what Silva gives you is a chance to give Bam a rest, right? Your front court, your starting front court right now is Bam and and Myers Leonard. Your back court off the bench right now, or excuse me, front court off the bench, starting front court and front court off the bench is uh, uh, Chris Silva and Kelly Olenek. Those guys are interchangeable. You can you could start Kelly O or, or Myers Leonard, and you've got a stretch five that can complement a hardworking, athletic, defensive-minded, rebounding four that can go out there and do what Bam and, to a lesser extent, Chris Silva. I'm not going to sit here and say Chris Silva is the next Bam, but the skill set matches the five that you're going to have in those lineups. Um, so that's, an, that's something that was a problem before where you – you couldn't really play Bam with Hassan because you had two guys who were essentially clashing in their skill sets. Couldn't play anyone with Hassan, it, it, and that's a different story. Um, but it feels. No, I like mean, now, that, that, but that's that's. I mean, he, yeah, because Hassan did his own thing, and if he wasn't fed early, if he didn't think he was a big part of it, he would check out. I mean, and it, this isn't something like we're waiting till he's gone and now we're kicking him. This is something that we said when he was here. When he's engaged and when he feels like he's controlling the game, he's great. And when he's not, he's not. Yeah. Um, Chris Silva, I, you know, a lot of people made the comparison to Udonis Haslam. And I mean, I think it's it's a pretty apt comparison. Just the energy that he gives opening night, just destroying a shot by John Morant, dunking all over the place and so 
it's rare in, in one game where I'm Googling so much. So I Google, yeah. where the heck did this Silva guy come from, right? Uh, and I happen to know it's South Carolina because I, I tweeted that block and it went nuts. And it was because a South Carolina site South picked Cal- it up. Yeah. And, and who was his college coach? Uh, Frank Martin. And who was Udonis Haslam's high school coach? I did not connect those. Wow. Frank Martin. I had no clue. Frank Martin at Miami High. I had so no clue. I, I see a lot of, like, when people, when people said Baby UD, thanks for reading my tweet. When people said Baby UD, I, I, huh. I sort of, I started going, well, yeah, that, that's that Frank Martin 305 toughness. That's, that, that's really interesting. They, he has that sort of, you know, attitude that sort of works. My only question it's not going to be how jimmy butler fits into this team jimmy butler's the star jimmy butler's the best player jimmy butler's the best offensive player he's the best defense player he's the attitude he's the veteran he's the closer it's his team that's not my question my question is Dion waiters it's because you, you're talking about how everybody's complimentary and every everyone's pulling in the same direction which is great i mean look they're on sunday night there was a little regression 23 turnovers they lost to minnesota Second night of a back-to-back, tough road game. I get it. But when Deion Waiters, his his suspension was officially lifted Friday, but he didn't go on the road trip Saturday and Sunday, which is interesting. Basically just means he's getting paid. Right. But, but, right, he's getting paid. To, so they didn't want him for two games. So they come back on Tuesday. What's he going to do? Because he's not going to start. He's not bumping Kendrick Nunn, who's the leading scorer. He's not bumping Jimmy Butler. He's not taking Tyler Hero's minutes. So whose minutes are... Whose minutes is he going to take, and in what capacity is he going to take them, and is he going to commit to playing the same attitude, the same way that everybody else is playing? You know what's so funny though is like I and I was on with uh, Hawk and Crowder earlier this week, and and they asked me about that, and I just feel like it's I feel like it's a non-story, and, and I think not not a non-story, but I feel like it's such a a minor story because I of what you just said. I don't see where he fits, and and I feel for Dion. I do. It's very clear that he's been through a lot. It's very clear that he's worked hard to get back. And I know some people may be saying, "Oh, four years, fifty plus million dollars, sixty million dollars, whatever." I you know feel sorry, whatever. No, I feel sorry for him personally. Like I, he worked really hard to get back, and I understand the frustration. Goran Dragic has the same sort of frustration yep. right now. Um, and Spo acknowledged that. And Spo has said in the past, we we don't want guys who don't want to play. We want guys who are angry when they're not playing, but there's a way to handle it. And what Dragic has done... You saying getting it up in people's Instagram comments yeah. is not the way to do it? No, and, and, and Dragic, and you pointed this out and you're dead on, like... Dragic, the way he handled this, look what he did on on Saturday night in Milwaukee. He was our leading scorer, and he knocked down the shot that essentially sealed the game. You know, it's one of those things about... Shane Battier always talks about this, like becoming a star in your role. Yeah. So you don't have to have a starring role, but you become a star in your role. And so Goran Dragic is like, all right, I'm the sixth man. How can I be the best sixth man? Dion Waiters, I don't know if he's going to come back and be like, all right, I'm the ninth man. Yeah. How can I be the best ninth man in the NBA? I don't think he's going to, like, I, I don't, maybe, maybe the Silva thing calms down. Maybe there's an injury somewhere. I think maybe that's, oppor- that's going to be it. Maybe It'll there's, the maybe there's yeah. an opportunity. Maybe, an, I mean, I don't think he, I don't think Dion's a bad player. I don't think he's past prime. I think he's probably headed towards or close to his prime. I think that the Heat obviously saw something to give him a four-year, $15 million contract. I mean, they were giving out many four-year, $15 million sure. contracts at the time. But he did work to get in shape. He did 
He's now a year removed from ankle surgery, so he should be a viable NBA scorer, which what team can't use scoring? But on the other hand, you look at the way this team is is sort of the signs of early good mojo that you're seeing and all that all that good chemistry that you're seeing when you throw a disgruntled vet in there. I don't know how that's going to work. And that's not even mentioning James Johnson, by the way. Yeah. I mean, James yeah. Johnson, who who didn't come into camp in heat shape, whose minutes is he taking? How is how is he fitting in this rotation? That's a great point. So, I, I, I mean, you could look at it like a couple ways. Like, wow, look how well the Heat played without their veterans. Or you could look at it and go, man, this team's kind of nice. Like, do you really want to mess this up by throwing yeah. some veterans in there who, who you know, unless they're coming in with a Goran Dragic attitude, which is like, focused on contributing during their very specific window and they're and they're locked in like Oren has been there's going to be a little bit I don't think the logjam is fully cleared yet no no and, and part of it will clear out because there will be the regular attrition that happens throughout the course of a season with injuries look maybe the like heat that. maybe the heat maybe Goran builds himself up and the heat can finally move him and then yeah. you put Deion Waiters in that six-man role Mark Cuban will finally call back and, and you know. for some reason he just he he's still he's still annoyed about the 2006 finals or I mean, seriously here's the other thing <laughs> there is there is a precedent for a lefty coming off the bench after starting his entire career and and playing fantastic basketball and winning, I think, multiple six-man-of-the-year awards, Manu Ginobili. And, yeah. and maybe that's the role that Goran Dragic takes at this point in his career, and he could really help this team in Look, that the Look, he, the Heat thought, at, <laughs> when we were going through the stages of death and dying about Dwayne Wade's career, what, were, what, was, what was the bargaining stage we all said? You know the way Dwayne's playing, he could do this for three or four more years, right? <laughs> we were all we were all basically negotiating, like maybe Dwayne can just stay in this sixth man off the bench. Well, I mean, essentially, you've literally plugged Goran into the to the Dwayne role, yeah. And uh, I mean, Goran's a little better in terms of like being in his prime. Not better, not as better a player, but I'm saying like relative to where he is in his career. Dwayne, Dwayne was clearly on the tail end, and it was clearly as much about nostalgia as it was about anything else. Goran is a viable player who people around the league are going to want. Yep. Who, you know, I think the reason that Manu Ginobili locked into that is because he was kind of a spur for life. I think if yep. Goran plays at this level, I think Goran's going to want to get paid and want to go somewhere. Sure. I don't I don't think he's going to want to do this for two or... I, oh, think no. he, I, I don't think I, yeah. he's going to want to do this longer. Like, if he, if yeah. he reaches his goal, which he said is to be six man of the year he's going to be six man of the year and then he's going to go get paid to start somewhere bottom line it's been a fun start it's been an unexpected start it wasn't so much i figured they'd go one and two i think everybody did um but it's been how they've won and gone two and one that's been really fun so it, it gives you hope it gives you optimism and oh by the way by the time you guys are listening to this jimmy butler is probably going to be back and and making his debut we expect it to come on tuesday night against atlanta um, and that could be a fun game. That could be a fun game. We'll see you out at the AAA. Let's end it with a final note from our sponsor, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation, and I promise you, there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service it is. Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium. Pembroke Pines. Well, it's been fun. I'm sure Mr. Manso misses us. Oh, I'm sure he's enjoying a lovely dinner in Pittsburgh. The podcast is the highlight of his week. 
He looks forward. He to likes it. it. He enjoys it. I mean, listen, anybody who's 27 minutes deep in this podcast, they're probably enjoying it themselves. Thanks, guys. We'll chat at you next week. 